The Evolve Network is now live at evolvenetwork.tv. Subscribe for meal plans, recipes, cooking shows, and our very own The Magic Pill and The Magic Plant, as well as access to my favorite documentaries. The Evolve Network is also home to our full library of podcasts, with new release podcasts airing first and in full on the channel. You can also watch selected vodcasts in a video format. Meanwhile, enjoy this highlight of our podcast and head over to evolvenetwork.tv for the full Evolve podcast experience. The Evolve with Pete Evans podcast is a conversation about my favorite ingredients for a healthy human experience. We take an informed look at topics that include nutritional and emotional well-being as well as expanded consciousness. I love exploring the topics that are not traditionally taught at school and take a deep dive into them with my special guests. I invite you to sit back and come along for the ride with an open mind and heart and please share with your family and friends as these podcasts may just be the seed from which many things will flourish from. Cheers. We've been using Waters Co. water filters for the last 10 years and I wholeheartedly trust my family's health with them. Waters Co. established 1977 have personal and domestic water filters which turns your ordinary tap water into great tasting alkaline ionized mineral water which removes up to 99.9% of fluoride, heavy metals, chemicals and bacteria so you can love your tap water again. The Bio 1000 is the latest edition of the BMP 1000 model and the culmination of over 40 years of experience and research into water filtration by some of the world's leading scientists. Waters Co. was first to market with natural gravity-fed systems, creating alkaline water way back in 1984 and have continued to lead the market in research and development, setting the benchmark for all other brands to follow. Please go to my webpage, PeteEvans.com, to learn more and to receive your special discount from my link on the products page. You're going to love it. James, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, brother. How are you? I'm looking forward to to talking to you. And uh, I, I've, I have traveled a bit around Australia, so um, I'm... I'm a bit jealous thinking back of the, of, the, of the lovely time I had going around the coast over there. So, oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? And, and speaking of beauty, that uh, piece of art in the background is that yours? It is. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a painting that, that I'm quite happy with. It's called Brick Lane, uh, referring to the place in London, and it was one of those paintings. It's a good painting. I don't say that about a lot of my paintings, but it's one that worked. That the kind of spirit, the muse came over me, so I'm happy with that one. So you're an author and a painter. Let's let's explore painting and what that means, just to just to kick us off, if that's okay. And uh, how long yeah. have you been doing it for? And and what does it what does it allow you to to express as a, as a as a human being? Yeah. Um, well, my profession was law. So I, I was my, my main work was teaching law, working as a lecturer, senior lecturer, visiting professor, all that kind of stuff, international legal consultant. And then uh, when I had a family, I decided that it was time to give that up. So I, I left the thing entirely voluntarily uh, with the intention uh, to look after the kids. The wife was was enjoying her job. So I said, I'd stay at home. Uh, paint and write. So uh, I really left the whole thing behind uh, to do that. 
and that gave that gave me space. So I went back to the to the concentrate on the painting and just said, well, I'll do it principally as a self-exploratory thing, not about gaining fame. There's no necessity to feed the children, thankfully, my painting income. But uh, so it was an exploration. I was exploring what I wanted to do. And I've been thinking this specifically in relation to your question. Uh, I was thinking about this in relation to Orson Welles. I was talking about Orson Welles recently. And he's a neglected character in this. He's, an, he's a very interesting character if one goes back and studies his history and, and his vision. A lot more complex than people realize. But he was always sketching from the time he was a, he was a child. He was always sketching he was till the time he died. And sketching gives you an ability to perceive things on a deeper level. It, it helps the brain to focus on the important elements of composition, interaction, detail, generality. Uh, it's, it's, it's an neglected skill in relation to understanding what the world around us. Um, and in particular, in the Western tradition, one of the things that I explored, the first series I did, I call it Journey to Abstraction. And the idea behind that was, was trying to think, if you look at the history of painting, there's a clear characteristic in the Western tradition. So, of, of course, we look at different cultures as a different way of representing people. And in, in Judaism or Islam, the figure doesn't appear in the same way as it does in Western in Western art. Um, or in, uh, it appears differently in Aboriginal art as well. So but there's a particular Western tradition. And this is this is the basis of Western culture. And that since the, that that revolved around the human figure. And the, the, the idea of the journey to abstraction was an idea that I got by examining art and examining the evolution of painting. And it seemed that in recent decades, the figure was disappearing from art. In, in, in the process of abstraction, the human figure was actually disappearing. And, and that intrigued me. Why is that? What, what was the point about, uh, about the interest in the human figure? And, and how significant is this for us? Now, I believe that there's a deeper element that we're really being trained to not get on with people, not to like people. There's a kind of misanthropic element about this, about distancing uh, ourselves from other people. And I see that as, as part of the process of social interaction. I see that in the distancing of people, the, the difference that I see in my lifetime between how people interacted and how they interact now in social context, in informal context, it's changed radically. Um, so it gave me opportunity to explore things. And then in, for example, when I'm doing painting like this one behind me, it, it kind of appears. Now, it may seem a lot of people say, well, it doesn't look kind of very, it doesn't look very studied or it's, it's obviously expressionistic. I can, I can do the, the detailed photographic stuff as well. But uh, a lot of people think that you do a painting like that because you're not able to do the other painting. They forget. For, that's the, That's the way they think. They, they think that a good painting is something which is photographic, which, which mimics reality in some sense, even though the most photographic, photographically realistic painting is an illusion, a definition. It's, not, it's a two-dimensional representation. It's, it's, a, it's a shorthand of, of reality. So when you get into painting in this kind of form, uh, when you're painting from a kind of unconscious, deeper element with perhaps some theme, I had a very particular theme 
about Brick Lane, the concentration, East End of London, the history. I, I know it quite well. I get a, I get a strong sense of spirits there. Uh, Brick Lane, there's a there's a church there, an inscription up up, up on the steeple which says, um, basically translate from the Latin, uh, "We are shadows." It's a great a great description of uh, of life. Uh, and you can feel the ghosts going around there. So all those things are in my head when I'm coming to, to paint. And so you find things that you can't consciously reveal. You, you can't consciously construct them. So these type of things enables you to or want to see things that you can't approach, if you approach from a left brain perspective. So you're accessing different elements of yourself. So I, I used a paint in, the, in a, a talk recently, and I was just looking at it. On the video when it was when it was sent to me to have a look at and i saw things in the painting that i'd never seen over the paintings on the wall for years so so you you don't know about the different levels so painting for me was an exploration and what it did was it put me in a position where different elements of of your, your kind of being begin to, to talk to you now my idea of what the artist is doing in in, in their journey is they're trying to find their own authentic voice, authentic self. So what you have the same thing in relation to writing. When you come to write, there's all these voices in your head that you don't recognize are not your own. You come, you have a style, oh, it has to be like this. And, and the process of finding your own voice is a process of subtraction. You're taking away voices that are not really your own, and you're uncovering yourself. And this is the true self, as, as we know, in spiritual terms. So there's a similar thing in relation to painting. So, so some, you can explore different, or explore different styles. What's this person trying to do? Trying to have empathy with other artists. That's why I, I kind of sometimes I went through a phase where I was copying or making collages, if you like, samples of art to see, well, why are they, they, they depicting the figure? So what is the idea of this? And exploring artists, or, 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 or I met some a couple of great artists. I went when I was in Australia. I went up to see where Ian Fairweather. Uh, uh, I don't know if you know him, but he he, he uh, lived on Bribey Island. He's a very interesting character. He's, he's dead now, but so he lived in a shack on Bribey Island, up north of Brisbane. And he he was born in Scotland, actually. Uh, he. The, there's the story that he lived in a cement mixer for a while. And one time when he was living in Darwin, he had a desire to see his friend in Indonesia. So he made a raft and he, he, he got on the raft and he was washed up in Indonesia 16 days later. And he was immediately deported. He had no, no water and the sharks were around him. So I kind of like characters like that. He lived in China and he lived in He'd lived, he'd been in a prisoner of war as well in the First World War, kind of amazing character. So you get these, you get these individuals that are on the margins of society that are trying to, to do things, they're trying to explore things, to try and explore themes about the meaning of life, etc. So um, when you begin to enter into their world, you get an alternative perspective. Uh, you, you have to look at things from a, a different angle. And even things like I, I Rembrandt engaged in, in, many self-portraits and, and and so what i what i used to do was kind of study his style study the way he used paints study his technique uh, there's, there's plenty of evidence in his you know about how he worked and you can get evidence by looking at it, at, at the pictures 
and then recreate them myself. And when you do so, you're, you're really getting close to the spirit of the person. Sometimes <laughs> the reality, you, you begin to find yourself moving through different realities when you do that. So, uh, so I explored all the different ways and, and, and it helps me in some ways as, uh, as a bit later, a few years ago, um, instead of thinking about spiritual things in, in a kind of intellectual way, I kind of put that aside when you're concentrating on the kids and all that. You're not concentrating on yourself. Your, your, your mind is, is elsewhere. It's occupied. But that's a, that's a, people forget about this. They always talk about the, the burden of kids, and, you know, stops them doing things. But it's precisely through our obligations that we, we can become less egocentric and we're less focused. And when your mind is, it's focused on that, that that kind of attentive element. The other elements of your personality can can come true. So I, I think all those things helped me to come to a situation where I was much more receptive to spiritual messages that began to come in a kind of ready-made form. It wasn't as if I had sat down and thought, oh, this they, they just seemed to appear, they fall in. And this is, you can see it in the, the painter Francis Bacon, who was born in Ireland. He he said, for example, that paintings used to come into his mind like a slide projector, and this is this is a common thing for inventors, musicians, and and you will have experienced in in in, in your own activities, and and uh, there's a similar process, and I'm sure you, you do you do a bit of surfing, I gather. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. So, yeah, so there's a similar thing I imagine in that that you're. You're going back to to some basic elements of yourself, some basic principles, some basic uh, limitations that that allows you to explore yourself on a different level by working within the limitations. Uh, and and I think there's a similar thing in 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 all art. And and in this context, uh, it was useful for me to to allow this, not consciously, not forcing, not expecting it. I had read a lot about spirituality and brought up Catholic and explored different things, very interesting Oriental philosophy. They were all in the background. I was concentrating on other things, and this thing began to, a type of efflorescence, a type of very, very strong sense, which started off really when a line came to me, that, and the line was, which led to me writing a book called The Mystical Accord, that there has been a certain failure of spiritual evolution. It was a simple line. And that led me to a whole... I really hope you enjoyed the first half of this podcast. If you'd like to listen to the rest, please visit evolvenetwork.tv. That's evolvenetwork.tv. We'll see you there. The information, views and opinions expressed in this podcast should not be treated as a substitute for nutritional, medical or other advice by a qualified professional. Guests in this podcast express their own opinions, experiences, and conclusions. Nothing in this podcast should be used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any medical condition. Neither Pete Evans nor any sponsor endorse any views, opinions, or conclusions expressed or shared in this podcast.